What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The experts about how men and women can be at their best. Guys Guy Radio. Better men, better world. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM. The station that needs no listener behind. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Rebates and tax credits can make it more affordable to buy an electric vehicle. But Deborah Gorman of the Greenlining Institute says these incentives often favor higher-income people. For example, with many rebates, you have to front the money that will later be refunded. So that actually is really conducive to more wealthier people. You can float the money, so it's not such a big deal for you. You can wait for it to come in the mail. In a recent report, her group identified ways to make EV incentives more equitable. For example, by offering instant rebates redeemed at the time of sale and larger incentives for lower income people. And that's the point of equity, right? Equity isn't, we all get $100. Equity is those who need 150 get that because of where they are situated in their community, and those who need 25 get $25. She says the new Inflation Reduction Act includes federal tax credits that are intended to improve equity. For example, tax incentives will now apply to pre-owned vehicles, which low-income people are more likely to buy. But Gorman says many states still have a lot of work to do to ensure that EV incentives benefit those who need the savings most. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. We interrupt our programming. This is a national emergency. Important details will follow. Are you prepared? Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go. This is Judge Herb Dodell, and our show is called For the People. It's available every Monday at 4 o'clock, 4 to 5. And we'll be talking about all kinds of things pertaining to the law and how it really works from the inside as opposed to the outside. So tune in and learn all you need to know about the legal system and how it works. If you're ready for a Las Vegas vacation, here's an offer you can't refuse. The Vegas Travel Center is offering three days and two nights in Vegas free. Just call 909-406-7400. The offer includes accommodations with two free tickets to Great Las Vegas Entertainment with free meals. So if you're planning a trip to Vegas, you need to jump on this right now. Just call 909-406-7400. Obviously, an offer like this is not going to last. So call now, 909-406-7400 for your three-day, two-night Vegas vacation. That number again, 909-406-7400. Call now. 
Learn to make money five ways with rental real estate. Double your money with apartments and get your map to financial freedom. And that map starts with a free workshop. Sign up now at lifestylesunlimited.com. Click on the Join Free Workshop tab and attend online or in person. That's lifestylesunlimited.com. Lifestylesunlimited.com. Again, that's lifestylesunlimited.com. Limited seating, unlimited potential. For several years, KCAA has been marketing the Longevity brand of nutritional and personal care products. Our experience with Longevity has been 100% positive, so we are pleased to recommend them to you. Regarding nutritional supplements, we recommend Pollen Burst in the berry flavor and Tangy Tangerine 2.0 in the tablet form. For regularity issues, we recommend 3-Day Cleanse, and for personal care, we recommend Morning Hydration Cream. You can shop online for Longevity at www.kcaateam.com or you can order by phone by calling 800-982-3197 and tell customer support that you are part of the KCAA team. Longevity is an American company based in San Diego. Call Longevity at 800-982-3197 and ask about monthly auto ship that allows you to buy Longevity products at wholesale prices. That number again, 800-982-3197. Express 106.5 FM. The number one FM talk radio station in the Inland Empire. KCAA, the station that leaves no listener behind. Express 106.5 FM. free. See why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings. Visit Blinds.com to save up to 40% off everything site-wide. That's Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. FM. Now, tune into DM Radio, the world's longest running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Right, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back once again to the longest running show in the world about data. It's called DM Radio. Yours truly, Eric Cavanaugh here and an all-star cast, folks. I'm so excited. And the topic is a hot one. Silver linings abound. We're going to talk all about the cloud, cloud computing, the evolution of cloud computing. We'll talk about, of course, cloud, multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, but also meta-cloud and the super cloud. We're going to hear from several great experts today. We've got my good buddy, David Linticum, one of the most well-respected cloud experts in the world on the show today. We'll also hear from Ben Haynes from a company called Directus doing some very interesting things. We have Rio Shimizu from a company called Beacon and also Tammy Buto uh, is joining us as well from StatType. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So hybrid cloud just means You have on-prem, your data center, you have some cloud solution, you have to reconcile between those two. We very quickly move from hybrid cloud to multi-cloud because guess what? There are many clouds. You've got Amazon, of course, which is still the 800-pound gorilla in the field. I think they still have the vast majority of revenue. They still have tremendous momentum. But nipping at their heels is a company called Microsoft with Azure. They went all in, hats off to Satya Nadella for really pushing that forward. And then, of course, the Google Cloud platform. But they're not the only three. There are lots of other other players in the cloud space. And there are also edge players in the space. So lots of data centers cropping up around the country and around the world to facilitate edge computing. So it's all out there. And since we have so many guests, I'm going to dive right in and bring in our good buddy, David Linthicum. David, tell us about what you're working on and what's this super cloud all about? Sounds cool. (laughs) It's a conversation I'm having six times a day now, uh, including today. Well, also, I'm working on really what, what, how we're going to uh, mediate these complex architectures. If you think about it, over the last 
uh, five years, we've gotten into a complexity problem. In other words, right. we're building multiple clouds and now adding edge computing on and AI systems, things like that. A lot of things aren't going away. And therefore, we're moving from, say, uh, 3,000 services under management to 10,000 services under management. So how do you mediate that complexity? Of course, you can spend more money or uh, companies don't want to do that for a good reason or figure out approaches and different technologies to do it on your behalf. And we came out, we're talking about cloud complexity management five years ago and really kind of talking about an aggregation of these services where we're dealing with automation and abstraction to normalize them. So it reduces a lot of the redundancy of these various systems. It may still have the complexity behind the scenes, but we're able to operate and manage it and secure it and govern it in a much more efficient way. Yeah, that's very interesting because you figure there's a lot of redundancy across clouds. And, you know, we were talking just last week on a show, and I thought to myself a long time ago, if I have all of my services in AWS, for example, because there are, what, like 7,000 sales and marketing technologies now that are offered as software as a service. We're talking thousands and thousands of different services. If they're all in an Amazon cloud, is there some way to optimize the compute, the orchestration, all that fun stuff? Is that kind of what you're talking about? That is, that is, but it also has a tendency to, it, it can move across clouds. And other, not only are you optimizing compute and storage and databases and AI systems and BI analytic systems within a single cloud environment, we're doing so across cloud environments. So in other words, we're finding the best services service that's able to service the particular tasks that we're looking for at the best price and the most efficient way to do it. And also the best of breed services that matches up the needs. So it does a couple of things. Number one, it makes the, the intra cloud stuff much more efficient because mm -hmm. it's able to deal with automation and abstraction across these various services. But the more important thing is the intra cloud services where that's where the complexity comes in. So you hit the nail on the head instead of dealing with three different security layers and three different governance layers and three different FinOps layers, I'm dealing with a single layer that may need at certain times to access the native layers on the back end, but that's hidden from you. So we're dealing with one master automation system, one master sets of APIs, and we're dealing with storage and security and all these things using the same interface across cloud systems, inter-cloud, inter-cloud, and it just makes things less, less complex and easier to manage. Yeah, the uh, the proverbial single pane of glass, right, which has been long sought in this environment. It makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Um, that's very interesting. Uh, and just real quick, can you give us some details on how that's done? Like, how do you achieve this single pane of glass and this super cloud vision? Is it another technology or sort of an amalgam of technologies? That's a great question, Eric. The reality is that it's a, a suite of technologies. It's an architect itself. And there really is things when I write out super cloud and meta cloud, people over the years, super cloud and meta cloud, people always say, well, we have this technology. It's existed for years. No, you don't. Ultimately, this is a suite of technologies that solve particularly unique problems that are customized for each of the domains. So in other words, we're going to have to leverage AI a number of places. It could run on different cloud providers. It doesn't matter, but it logically exists physically above the clouds. And I think in doing that, it solves a bunch of problems that we have kind of accumulated over the years. And the idea is, you know, basically to deploy whatever technology we need for the problem domains we need. So there is no one size fits all solution. Um, you know, in my latest book, I kind of wrote, I think in five years, there is going to be a productized super cloud and meta cloud, because I think that's just kind of the way things move. Mm. And it probably is going to be a large cloud provider that takes over that area. So they become kind of a cross cloud service provider into themselves. But right now it's unique to the domain, it's unique to your requirements, and it's going to be different technologies depending on the super and meta cloud that you're looking to build for the particular multi-cloud problem domain. Yeah, that, that's very interesting stuff. And uh, one of our other guests knew a thing or two about multi-cloud, so I'll throw it over to you first, Rio Shimizu from Beacon. Tell us what you're working on and what you think about this multi-cloud, or the, sorry, this uh, super cloud meta cloud stuff. Yeah, um, there's certainly a lot of buzz around the topic. And as I understand it, there's a quite a bit of confusion around what the terms actually mean. But if you go with this, um, David's notion that there exists a layer that sits above the cloud and one that abstracts away the idiosyncrasies of the cloud vendors and provides a common runtime environment, which leverages large scale elastic capacity and provides for things like process integration, orchestration, observability, security, and governance, and so on and so forth that enterprise customers care about. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a thing. Yeah, that, that, and so what are what are you doing at Beacon? Uh, I think you're in financial services, right? And that's a pretty important place to be. 
And we want yeah. to make sure that our money is safe, that, uh, you know, and David even referenced identity resolution, I think, which is uh, obviously very important in the cloud, because who is this person who's trying to access all this money? Is it the right person? Is it not the right person? What do we do about that? Tell us a bit about Beacon and what you folks are working on. Yeah, we, we make a, a sort of a cloud uh, abstraction layer almost. Um, so my name is Hiroshi Mizu and I'm, I'm the SMB of engineering at Beacon. Um, I joined Beacon six years ago as the founding member of the Tokyo business. And more recently, I moved over to New York to help support our global business. Um, prior to Beacon, I was at Goldman Sachs for 10 years where I built and ran their equities franchise market making desk. Uh, and before that, I was a software engineer at the call called the MathWorks, writing software that engineers makes use of daily. So I'm an engineer by training and I enjoy solving business challenges using software. Sure, and uh, and Goldman Sachs is managing a lot of money, so they take that stuff very, very seriously. So security is important. Um, identity resolution, as I mentioned, is very important. You know, that's the other really interesting angle I've been waiting for someone to solve. And you think about Microsoft could solve it, Facebook theoretically could solve it, LinkedIn could solve it. There are some very big players that uh, that really focus their business on knowing who you are. LinkedIn, of course, is paramount among them, I guess. And yet no one seems to be making a play for that. I, I do know a number of companies that are working on it. There are concepts like decentralized ID, for example, a company called CrowdPoint is working on that. But what are your thoughts on, on solving that conundrum of who I am and uh, and how I can prove who I am to other people. Like, wouldn't you ideally want almost this big key value store in the sky that knows who I am and, and knows who my decentralized ideas? What do you think about all that? That's right. I think, you know, somebody like, uh, I think Microsoft is or AD is kind of um, taking taking over that space uh, quite a bit with their um, AD tenant. Um, so from our perspective, we're a um, service provider um, for, for those identity providers. So we we don't really care who who provides that identity so long as you know we you authenticate yourself and you know claim uh, you know we we know who you are and you know you are the person you say you are then we'll kind of assume that's the case and then we'll kind of um, allow, allow you in. Okay, that, that's kind of interesting because it is important to know who who's who out there, right? I mean, you've got Active Directory, you have various technologies that have been around for a long time, role-based stuff where you kind of dial in. But in this uh, in this new Kubernetes-enabled world. You know, there, I'm sure there are services for identity resolution. Can you talk to that at all? Uh, we, we don't quite work uh, in, in that space, but um, I'm sure other people uh, have a better solution there as well. All right, no worries. Well, let's let's go around the road. Tammy Buto from a company called StatType. You folks are, are fresh out of the gate doing some really interesting stuff on, uh, on analytics and analytics kind of out of the box, right? Tell us a bit about what you're working on and, uh, and how cloud plays a role. Yeah, hi there. Great to be here. I'm Tammy Buto, and at Startup, we're working on a ready-built platform for B2B SaaS to be able to see all of their data. There's a lot of key data there, like NDR, ARR, churn, things that you really, you know, don't want to spend years and years and, you know, get a giant data team to build for you in-house. We thought this could be a product. Um, and I have a long history of working in the cloud. I actually, like, First started my career in tech working in a data center, um, as some of us have, like back in like early 2000s. And then I always, I started to hear about the cloud and I thought like, I really want to start actually being part of building the cloud. So in 2009, 2010, I was able to actually be on a project at the National Australia Bank where we migrated to the cloud for nab.com.au, which was like one of the first banks to move to the cloud. And we also started to do chaos engineering in the cloud using Netflix Chaos Monkey, super early, first bank in the world to do that. And, you know, really just like testing the reliability of the cloud. So it's been a fun journey. Then from there, I went to work at DigitalOcean and actually building out a cloud that developers totally love. And it was really cool to be a part of that experience. Like people love using DigitalOcean. It was fun to see like, you know, developers, if they love something, they'll just do it over and over and build some really amazing products and tools and software. And yeah, that's like the journey that I've been on. And then after that, I went to work at Gremlin and did chaos engineering in the cloud for like big banks, like uh, JPMC, Target, like tons of great companies that are actually doing that with Gremlin. And um, now I'm at Statype and I'm the VP of product here, where we're really focused on aggregating data across all of the cloud, bringing it together in one place. I love this idea of like the super cloud too. Like I also worked at Dropbox and I managed the storage team there and databases um, as an engineering leader. And we actually had built something called Cloudbox, which was our own internal way to get servers from either 
Dropbox's own on-prem data centers or from Amazon. You could just be like Cloudbox, I want a server. And then we'd monitor both of them through like the same one plane, one one single glass pane, like to see all the monitoring and alerts. But this is like not a product that just exists out in the market. It's not easy to do. It took years to build that, a big team to maintain it. Um, so I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, and I love that uh, you're doing this massive cloud integration work where you're kind of pulling from all sorts of different sources and then dynamically generating basic insights like annual recurring revenue, yeah. for example, and some other basic things that everyone wants. I said before the show, you reminded me of uh, the guys from Empirity who talk about their highly biased data pipelines, which I find rather interesting because if you start from a certain perspective that helps you see the world from that view. Now you can change your perspective and see the world from a different view, but it does help in business to kind of know where you're going and know what you're trying to accomplish. So I think that's a very clever approach that you've taken. And uh, so far it's going pretty well. Yes, it's going really well. Like part of my role at Gremlin, I did a lot of different roles. I started as a principal engineer. Um, eventually I was also leading customer success there too. One of the things I needed to keep an eye on was like our core business metrics in terms of renewals, expansions, churn, making sure that we were doing well as a business. As I was there, like we dramatically improved our ARR and actually hit 10 million ARR. Um, public knowledge, it's in the press, I'm allowed to say that. But that was a great milestone to achieve as a Series B um, startup. And a lot of it actually was like me writing a ton of SQL and doing data-driven analysis about the customers. How many customer success directors or leaders know how to write SQL? Not many. You know, how many know their way around like the Salesforce database schema? Not many. Very difficult to learn. So we're just thinking like SQL is an outdated technology for a lot of people. It's difficult to learn if people don't know it. A lot of product managers don't know SQL. Customer success don't know it. But you kind of need it in a lot of ways. So we're building a platform where you don't need to know SQL to be able to get those key insights. You know, what are your customers doing? How are they performing? Who's about to expand? What's going on with your business? Like let's mash product data, revenue data, customer data, marketing and sales data all together to give you that high level overview in the one place and be able to get insights in minutes, you know, just quickly looking and seeing how is things going. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very cool stuff. And uh, it's an evolution, right? So you're learning mistakes of others and building a solution that gets you right to the magic. Don't have to worry about all the data engineering stuff or writing code. That's very cool. Low code analytics yeah. solution that looks at all your data. And last but not least, we have Ben Haynes from Directus waiting in the background, waiting in the wings. Tell us a bit about yourself real quick and what you see evolving in this meta cloud, super cloud world. Sure. Thanks, Eric. Uh, so Ben Haynes, I'm a co-founder and CEO at Directus. Uh, I've been a designer and a developer my whole life. Uh, I ran an IT consultancy out of New York City where, you know, building out projects for Google and Prada, Snapchat, U.S. government, uh, soul cycle, et cetera, and identified, you know, some pretty big bottlenecks in how we're developing things, a lot of repetitive engineering for authentication, connectivity, et cetera, uh, and built out an open source platform 18 years ago uh, that is still what I'm working on today, of course, much more formally that platform essentially democratizes the database. So any SQL database with strong database abstraction, we're giving engineers the tools that they are building repetitively. Again, authentication, access control, automation, um, you know, e a transactional email services, APIs that dynamically generated based on the schema, hmm. but also no code app that democratizes it for non-technical users. So they can log in, they can browse, manage, visualize, automate their data without, you know, to Tammy's point, without having to know SQL, without having to, uh, you know, put a ticket into IT to have them go run a report or anything like that. So allowing them to self-service and that idea of citizen IT, uh, everybody hmm. being able to access this data that was traditionally locked behind the doors of IT. Uh, so that's, that's really what we're doing right now. We support every SQL database out there through strong abstraction uh, in our next version, which is imminent. Uh, we're looking at expanding our abstraction to NoSQL, Mongo, flat files in Excel, other APIs. And of course, all this leads to uh, the idea of federating or uh, federating or virtualizing the data across these data sources. So beyond infrastructure provisioning and orchestration, we're looking at the data side. How can you take these disparate data sources, bring them to a single pane of glass uh, and give you a really simple, safe and intuitive interface so that everybody can access uh, that data within their system? Yeah, that's cool. Citizen, what did you call it? Citizen IT. Citizen right. IT. So I, basically, you know, everyone knows how expensive and hard to come by, you know, the, the technical folks on a team are. 
Uh, they're, they're overwhelmed and overloaded. You're trying to build out reports, trying to get data and run queries and build out systems to support the other teams. Our platform is agnostic and unopinionated. It is not a domain specific. It's not for customer data or inventory or leasing or content for an experience. Uh, it is a layer on top of the database. So whatever you have in your database, we introspect that and provide all these tools, REST, GraphQL APIs, documentation, mm. and a full no-code experience That's based crazy. on your database. So whatever your database is, you're going to get a full suite of software for it. Yeah, that's that's very cool. I love, again, that sort of pan vision where you're trying to simplify. We'll talk about it in the next segment when we bring David Lindcombe back. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back, folks. You are listening to DM Radio. What if you could own a piece of the future? What if you could build your next castle, not on sand, but on the bedrock of a modern blockchain ecosystem? The first internet gold rush made millionaires. The second wave is minting billionaires. But the third wave is just gathering now, and anyone can get in on the action. Hop online to crowdpointtech.com to learn how you can secure a foothold in the blockchain revolution. Whatever your passion, wherever you want to go in life, there's an opportunity awaiting you right now. Go to crowdpointtech.com to learn how the blockchain will fuel the next generation of innovation in this globally connected world. That's crowdpointtech.com, your trusted agent in an untrusted world. What's the longest running radio show in the world focused on data? DM Radio. Want to be a guest sometime? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. That's info at dmradio.biz. By now, you know exactly what a medical alert device is. So let's talk about what we offer. One of the best prices for medical alert devices in the country. If you're on a fixed income, call our special medical alert hotline right now. You'll qualify for free equipment and our best price starting at a dollar a day. That's it. You can have your loved one or yourself protected by the largest medical emergency response network in the country. If you need a medical alert system for your mom, your dad, you, or another loved one, call right now and start 24-7 protection for about a dollar a day. With no setup fees, equipment charges, or long-term contracts. You've seen the rest. Now call Stay Safe now for our best price. Call 800-576-5756, 800-576-5756, that's 800-576-5756. Attention seniors on Medicare and Medicaid or receiving extra help for your prescription drugs, we have great news. You can change or enroll into a Medicare plan every three months if you qualify, all from the comfort and safety of your own home, over the phone. No one even needs to come to your home. And in minutes, we'll tell you all about some additional new Medicare benefits for you, like dental, vision, hearing, transportation, and more. Call us. We'll explain all your new Medicare benefits. Premiums are as low as $0 per month. Even if you are not paying anything for your coverage now, you need to call our licensed agents to review your plan. There are zero-cost plans available in some areas. Don't wait till next year. Get all the Medicare benefits you deserve. Call an agent today. 800-253-8126. 800-253-8126. That's 800-253-8126. Paid for by 65-plus Medicare. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right call because the best prices are not online they're with smartfares see smartfares has special deals with the airlines when they have unsold seats they use smartfares to fill them so you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices our prices are too low to publish online with the extra money you'll save you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping so stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first class tickets. 855-325-1821. 855-325-1821. That's 855-325-1821. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. 
We're finally getting somewhere with orchestrating these incredibly powerful cloud computing environments. I mean, really, you think about where we've come in the last 20 years, and it's just, it's fascinating. And longer than, than that even, too, right? You go back 1997, 19, even 1992 and one was Prodigy, right? So this stuff has been around a long time. But I feel like in the last 10 years in particular, there has been just a stupendous amount of innovation as we have many more engineers working on scale-out architectures. And, and anyone who does that kind of work will tell you it's a whole different set of challenges from the original things of trying to stand up a database, for example, or stand up a graph database, which can be a pain. But when you're dealing at these at these levels, at this scale-out architecture level, it's just a whole different ballgame. And now we have tens of thousands of engineers who know a lot about that stuff, and they're very focused and very uh, very intent on solving particular problems. And the problem that, that erupts is complexity. And I'll throw it over to David Linthicum again, our uh, resident cloud expert. Complexity is a killer. I mean, complexity will take down a business. It'll cost you money. It'll cost you headaches. It kills morale. And some of the, the work that uh, you're talking about today is going to help us manage that complexity and get to the simplicity that the business wants. Right, David? Yeah, it'll kill your business. There's even a name for it. It's called the complexity wall. And uh, many enterprises are hitting it now. And that's everything we just talked about in the last segment. They're just adding more services on because they need them to choose them for their best of breed services. So instead of, you know, six different databases, we have 25. Instead of, you know, two AI l levels, we have we have 10. And the reason that we're adding this on is because, number one, we can provision them at the speed of need via the cloud. They're fairly cheap. And we can just pile on service after service after service to make it happen trouble comes in when we operationalize this. And so in other words, those who are developing the systems, integrating the systems and architecting the systems are turning this over to the cloud ops team. And the reality is they don't have all the skills they need to operate these systems. They don't have a skills to operate 22 different databases and, you know, six different AI systems, things like that. And so the cost goes up, they hit the complexity wall and it's absolutely killing a business. And so the CIOs do one of the two things. Number one, they say, no more adding additional cloud services on. We're going to leverage these sets of services, and that's going to be it. That's obviously a bad thing to do. Right. <laughs> or they or they try to get the additional budget to uh, to solve the problem. Also a bad thing to do. Or the thing that we're recommending here on the show is that they mediate complexity through uh, through architecture architectural trickery and being clever and using the technology that we have. And that's kind of the whole idea behind super, super cloud and meta cloud. Yeah, that's very. I love this quote you just gave. Uh, the cost was no. Where is it? You can reprovision at the speed of need. You've said that a few times, huh? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we have an abundance of choice. My CIO friends out there, and I talked to a lot of them. They just say that uh, this is a different world where it was 15 years ago. It took six months to a year to provision particular services and applications. Everybody has a credit card now. Doesn't matter if they're in IT or not. They provision what they need to solve the problems that they need at the speed of need. Here, there you go. Another one, and ultimately um, causing the complexity problem because they turn everything back to IT to manage and they can't do it. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, and the data engineers, uh, the, these are the folks that are typically pulling their hair out. They have hair left, unlike guys <laughs> like me, right? Because the, the a lot of times the business just doesn't fully understand the impact and the drudgery of the complexity. I'll throw that over to you, David, and then I'll bring in uh, Rio again to comment on that. This is part of the challenge, right? Is that you know what's kind of interesting is that we went from this world of business versus IT, and then DevOps came around, and all of a sudden you have developers involved, and that I think that kind of mitigated a bit of the chasm between the business and IT, but also added another layer of complexity, right? And now in the cloud, it's a different set of challenges. It's not the same old challenges you had managing your on-prem data center, but it's a different set of challenges that are similar, especially when you proliferate the services, because now someone has to manage all this stuff. Who's going to do that? And that's that's the sort of grinding problem that we're facing in the world right now, right, David? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what we're hitting right now in 2023. And that's why people are focused on things like MetaCloud and SuperCloud and AI ops and cross-cloud services, cross-cloud database management as a way to uh, kind of throw a life preserver as to people who are drowning in this complexity issue right now. And complexity causes a real problem. Other than additional expenses, it raises security risk. It causes outages and performance issues. It really gets into core IT issues that go back into IT not necessarily serving the business. So 
it's never going to be a good thing. It's always going to be very costly, but it has some huge catastrophic risks that come around it as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Huge catastrophic risk. I'll throw it over to Rio to comment on, you know, we're, the, the, the challenge and the fun part, I guess, of being in this world of, uh, of meta cloud and super cloud is that there are all these options you can choose, but they all have and minuses and you need people who can kind of suss all that out and understand which direction to go. What's your advice when you work with your clients? What, what do you recommend and how do you deal with this growing complexity, Rio? Well, so we, we kind of use a opinionated set of um, architectures and best practices uh, that we've sort of gained over um, our experiences at working at big banks and by a common sort of a set of tools and services that people should use. Um, and we, we kind of present that as a, a single sort of a package solution so that people don't have to worry about going here for this or going somewhere else for these sort of things. And then we'll just um, provide that um, base layer as a package it's kind of like our approach yeah the uh, the highly opinionated platform right yeah no that's good and you say look we're going to go this direction it does what we want it to do we'll examine other opportunities as they come along but you're the ones curating the platform and you're the ones delivering the service right so that's the that's the magic exactly. is look we know this works so we're going to do it this way until such time comes as something changes right that's right. And it's a, it's a constantly evolving platform as well. So as as when um, when we see new technologies emerging, we'll kind of assimilate it into the, the platform itself. Ah, yes, the Borg. You <laughs> too will be assimilated. <laughs> I'll throw it over to uh, to Tammy to kind of comment on, you know, and you folks have, have really addressed this with your whole business model of simplifying the whole process. So you don't have to, it, it's like, if you think about fixing cars. It used to be that any number of mechanics could work on any number of different cars because the parts were fairly simple and the engines were fairly simple. Now we're in an age of hyper-specialization around the cars where you need specialized tools and specialized knowledge to work on all these things. And so you don't have the person who can work on any number of cars anymore. It's either you're a Honda or you're a, you're a foreign car, a BMW. And you know that that's an interesting development in the marketplace but the consumer is, I just want my car to work. I don't care what's going on under the cover. I want this stuff to work. And that's kind of the approach you took on analytics of saying, look, why do you want to saddle your team with standing up all these individual systems, setting up all the ETL, setting up all the data pipelines, all that stuff. That's a whole heck of, that's the engineering to get to the point where you can start doing the analysis, which is why you built the whole thing in the first place, right? Go ahead. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like, you know, that brings back memories of me. I used to fix my own car, like back when I was, you know, 15 years old, something like that. Back in the 90s, it was easy to do. And now I just can't <laughs> imagine like trying to fix an electric car, just not yeah. something that I would even want to try and do. Um, <laughs> but a lot of it really is like, you know, goes back to the complexity that um, David and Rio talked about, because it is difficult, right? Like if, if I personally have like learned a lot of different types of tooling like database schemas so like i know salesforce really well i know hubspot really well um, i know stripe really well and i've learned them over the last like 10 plus years you know it's taken me a long time to understand these schemas learn how the databases work learn what the issues are learn how different tables work with each other like that's not something you can just pick up quickly and if someone says to you tell me what my, my churn is by next week because we've got a board meeting you're like oh right. shit like whoops <laughs> not supposed to swear <laughs> say oh no like what do we do um in that situation because yeah you need to deliver it really fast and building out all of those pipelines understanding all of those different systems merging that data together actually aggregating it together and then giving back that report on churn like i've been asked to do that myself in jobs in the past it really is a lot of work if you don't have those skills and i also strongly believe that you know whatever role you're in you should be able to use the tools that you need to use so for example you know you're in marketing like pick the tools that work best for you and also feel comfortable that you can pick new tools and add those to your toolbox. It's just like a plumber, a carpenter, you know, an electrician, they all have different tools because they need different tools to do their job. And it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I think we should be allowed to be different, allowed to use different tools, like pick up new things, try them out, see what works. So the platform that we're building, it enables you to quickly ingest your data sources. And if you switch, say if you go, I'm using Stripe right now. I want to switch to something else next week. We can say, cool, that's cool. Let's just grab your API credentials. We'll now ingest your new data source. You'll have all of your historical data from Stripe. And then we'll also ingest your new data that you have. So you don't lose that too. Like that's a big issue in the data space. 
um, where you just like go, okay, we're switching from like right. mixed panel to pendo. Now I don't have any historical data. Right. Um, and I've been there before and it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was almost a perfect segue for Ben Haynes because that's exactly what they're working on over at Directus, right? Ben is to say, look, you, you have X amount of databases in production right now. They all have a different set of functionality, but they're doing what they're supposed to do. And you don't want to rib and replace, to Tammy's point, because every time you do that, something's going to get lost in the shuffle, whether it's fields or uh, records or, you know, maybe it's just the schema is different and it doesn't work properly. There are lots of bad things that can happen, which is why you don't rip and replace. That's why sunsetting applications or sunsetting databases is extremely rare in the enterprise, but you kind of stepped up above that, this layer of abstraction to be able to manage all those different environments and let companies still use what they're already using, right? Is that about right, Ben? That's, that's exactly right. So I think, you know, to, to Tammy's point, you have you have to give, you have to enable the engineering teams to have a flexible technology stack, something that is what they're used to working with, within their expertise, what the project or company requirements dictate. Uh, but of course, that is extremely broad. As David mentioned, you know, there's this huge, you know, swath of, of options out there, which is great. That's really important to have. But you need to be able to bridge the gap from that optionality to some sort of standard IO, some way that we can interface, we can have specifications mm. that we can actually rely on the integrations of these microservices uh, through abstraction. So we're, again, bringing together disparate databases wherever they might be. Again, not requiring you to, to migrate them. You can keep them in situ exactly as it was. We're not changing your your schema or your architecture. We're just giving you tools on top of it. Hmm. So if you weren't able to find a solution with you know the specific use case you had and you built something bespoke, you, know, you, you architect your own database and built a solution, you can layer a so piece of software or open data platform on top of that and manage it. Uh, and I think that's really important to David's point around the complexity wall idea of shifting from monolithic architectures and ERPs over to microservices right. was a, a great step forward. But you do hit this complexity wall where you have these tenuous integrations, you've got deprecations and, you know, causing this weakest link, link in the chain situation where systems can go down. And it's just this really complex architecture that is just being built unbeknownst to the company. Uh, and mm -hmm. so what we've tried to adopt is more of an 80-20 mentality, uh, a hub and spoke model where we're giving you a foundational layer of tooling that 80% of, of you know common common ground uh, that you can start with and then that last 20% to your point Eric where you where you specialize where you're building the innovation the IP that you really mean to build uh, without all of that in your way but of course we're doing such you know all that through standard specifications you know graphql apis rest apis auto documented that's all really important so that you don't end up in this you know crazy uh complexity wall hitting you in the face yeah no that's right i'll bring david back in we've got a couple minutes left in this segment you know david uh standards are wonderful things to have and i remember my partner robin Bloor once musing that uh there are two types of standards really the ones that we all agree upon or the ones that are foisted upon us by superpowers <laughs> Right? And of course, Microsoft has been a superpower. They've foisted you know, standards upon us, but we do agree on certain things. And when you agree on standards, that, that allows you to focus on what makes your business special, right? So instead of reinventing the wheel all the time, you can focus your energy understanding your particular business model, how you're going to use the data, how you're going to excel and sell your services and your products. I think that's wonderful. And it sounds to me like the super cloud is is really kind of solving a lot of those complexity challenges for us, or at least that's the direction it's going. Is that about right? Yeah, we should start heading to some common standards on how we're dealing with data and governance and security and FinOps and those sorts of things moving forward. And you see some sort of standardization that's moving on in between these various vendors. My line is standards won't save you. Uh, everybody should move along in their own innovative direction and kind of understand that standards may show up and they may make things simpler for you, but you can't rely upon them showing up. So it is something that is nice to have. Uh, ultimately, it's going to make things less complex. It's going to allow these tools to interoperate one to another. You got to remember when SuperCloud, MetaCloud, we're, we're integrating technology to solve the issue. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily bet, uh, bet the bank that those things are going to show up and uh, provide a huge amount of value. 
No, on the speed of innovation, I think, is part of the challenge as well, right? David, real quick, just one minute. Things are changing so fast. It's got to be exciting but also frustrating to be a CIO or a CTO because, goodness gracious, like these new projects kind of like Iceberg, for example, as a data, as a table in the cloud kind of thing. Uh, real quick, the speed is part of the problem, isn't it? Speed is part of the problem and also e the ability to easily onboard these things at the speed of need. I'll say it again. Uh, so in other words, a business needs it, pull out their credit card, they onboard it, and now they got it, and now it's part of the complexity problem. <laughs> BYOD. I remember when BYOD came in. Really, we can thank Steve Jobs and Apple because it was that iPad. All of a sudden, senior executives showed up with an iPad, and IT's like, we don't support that. And the CEO's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> You're going to start supporting it right now because I'm the CEO, and that's just the way it's going to be. And that really began this whole bring your own device thing, which is, quite frankly, is taken off. Yes, it is a complexity. Yes, it does add work to the IT side of the house, but you better get used to it because it's real. And we'll be right back. You're listening to DM Radio. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. 800-627-6493. 800-627-6493. 800-627-6493. That's 800-627-6493. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrow and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. In times of economic uncertainty and chaos, your money means nothing. You may not even be able to get it from your bank or ATM. And the money you do have in the stock market will go down and down. What you can bank on is gold and silver. Gold and silver have been a reliable and trusted form of currency for thousands of years. Gold and silver have never been worth zero, and typically gold holds its value during economic turmoil. Call the gold hotline now and learn how to protect your money and your assets with gold and silver. And learn how to set up a new IRA or roll over your current one into a gold-backed IRA. Protect your money from the next market crash with gold and silver. Call now for your free gold guide. 800-755-4281. 800-755-4281. That's 800-755-4281. Do you own a timeshare? Well, face the facts. You made a mistake. You made a bad purchase. A timeshare is not an investment. It's a money pit that continues forever. If you use your timeshare, that's great. But if you don't and you want to legally get out of your contract, call my friends right now at the Timeshare Exit Hotline. They're an experienced team of lawyers who help good people like you get out of a timeshare contract that they just don't want. Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you're ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now. Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800-289-0413. 800-289-0413. That's 800-289-0413. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is a perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-710-3739. 
That's 800-710-3739. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Kavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on DM Radio. What an awesome panel today. We're talking to David Linthicum, Rio Shimizu, Ben Haynes, and Tammy Buteau, all about cloud, super cloud, meta cloud. I'm really excited about the super cloud. I'd never even heard of it until David told me. I'm a bit embarrassed about that because it's it's solving a lot of the problems that I've thought about for a long, long time now. It's like, geez, the amount of inefficiency that we have in these cloud environments, you know, it kind of reminds me of code bloat. Um, David, you probably heard of that term before. Code bloat, I learned it, gosh, 20 years ago. I was like, code bloat, what is that? And the developer said, well, the processors got so fast that we didn't have to be as lean in our code writing anymore. And so the code just got fat and a little bit lazy about stuff because we could process it quickly. And you know, you always want to have lean code, but uh, code bloat is a reality. And I think complexity bloat has kind of arisen because of all this this innovation that we have because there are seven, eight, nine thousand software as a service providers just for sales and marketing alone. That is tremendous complexity, and we need to kind of rein that in. And then I look at KubeCon, for example. We went to KubeCon a few months ago, and I explained to my publisher, you know, Kubernetes is the new foundation for for enterprise computing and certainly for the cloud as a sort of de facto operating system. Does does that play into things? Because when I look at when I look at Kubernetes and when I look at this new reality of cloud, one thing that dawned on me was that we kind of sacrificed state at the altar of scale, right? Because state now has to be managed somewhere else and scale out tremendously thanks to Kubernetes. What are your thoughts about that trade-off, David? Yeah, I think that I think that uh, Kubernetes uh, in a federated way, and there's always a notion of federated Kubernetes, and some of the vendors are, are actually building federated Kubernetes things, is fr- first and foremost on the super cloud, meta cloud concept. You got to remember, app dev and app deployment is going to be a key feature of that. So in other words, it's not even just managing operational tasks and security and SecOps and you know cloud ops and things like that, but building and deploying these applications that are able to take advantage of the super cloud feature. So in other words, I'm able to distribute an application if I can do so, and it makes architectural sense to do so across multiple cloud providers and have aspects of it run on containers and the various cloud providers. I'm able to uh, uh, port applications really kind of at the speed that I need to from one provider to another. I'm able to move data around. I'm able to operate in a much more distributed, agile, and flexible way by leveraging this technology. And so if you look at what's really going to propel super cloud, meta cloud kind of in the future, it's going to be the ability to reduce redundancy and simplify things and abstraction automation, everything we talked about so far. But it's also going to be the develop the ability to build these distributed applications, these federated applications are really going to take our development game to the next level. And I'm probably more excited about that than, than, they, than I am the operational aspects of it. But we're just kind of peeling the onion on what that is and looking at the technology and looking what cloud native architecture kind of means to do that. But it has huge, huge potential and kind of uh, leveraging enterprises that really can do amazing things uh, with few amount of, with uh, very little money. Yeah, it's very interesting. And Ben, I'll throw this one over to you. You know, D apps are a very cool concept, by the way, distributed apps. I'm fascinated by that stuff. But when I think about the complexity of hybrid cloud, multi-cloud, now this super cloud hopefully is going to solve some of these challenges. It seems that you've built something which is very compelling to help solve those problems because it's that layer of abstraction which allows you to keep what you're already doing. So it's certainly great for hybrid cloud, right? Can you kind of speak to that real quick about how you play into enabling true hybrid cloud and multi-cloud? Yeah, so I mean, I think the first thing to say is that you can't predict how things need to be deployed. You need to have, you know, the softwares need to support, you know, on-prem self-hosting, they need to support a managed cloud offering as well as hybrid solutions. We have one called BYODB, you know, a bring your own database where that stays in situ on-prem and you connect that through a remote database connection up to the software for the suite of tooling. Uh, but beyond just networking your infrastructure together in a multi-cloud situation, you have to unify that data through APIs in, a, in some sort of portal. And that's a, a different ask. Uh, and so when we're looking at the nuanced needs of a customer, uh, they maybe are running on Postgres or Aurora. 
uh, or maybe they're doing an IoT fleet on SQLite. We have public sector, you know, the U.S. government using us air-gapped on naval ships. Clearly, mm. that's not networked. Uh, and then we have support for things like Cockroach Data, uh, Cockroach Database, which is a distributed data store in and of itself. Bringing all those things together, minus the air gap solutions, you need to be able to provide provide portals and APIs and connectivity uh, that ha- give a unified experience. And that's that's what we're trying to do on the data and software side. Uh, it's it's a really interesting place to be because you have to solve the infrastructure side first uh, and make sure that they can all speak to each other. That you have a unified way to provision and orchestrate all of this. You know, Kubernetes, which you know our systems cloud native, et cetera, but. The software side is equally important for the end user, especially for us where we're dealing with non-technical users in our open source data platform. Yeah, and you you use the magic word. You must have been uh, reading my mind because I was going to throw this out there. Maybe I'll throw it over to Tammy to comment on cloud native, right? What exactly does cloud native mean? And for the benefit of our radio audience out there, really it means designed to operate in any cloud, right? Theoretically, that's what it should be. If something is cloud native, you should be able to take it from one cloud and put it in another cloud and it still works. Tammy, what do you think about that? About all that? And do you think uh, cloud native is key to our success here? Yeah, I love getting thrown this question because I'm actually a cloud native computing foundation CNCF ambassador. Um, and so, yeah, the big thing that I'm really <laughs> excited about part of the Linux foundation. So great question to throw to me, Eric. And yeah, for me, like the interesting thing that I always think about when it comes to cloud native too, is this idea that before we used to build for on-prem, you know, we would build for our data center um, and now we're not, we're building software, which is for the cloud. It's built for the cloud. Yes. You want to make it portable as well. You should be able to take your, you know, put your technology, your software from AWS over to Azure. I have a lot of friends also that work in banking that are doing hybrid cloud and multi-cloud right now, you know, three or four different cloud providers. Um, And they're doing that because of a few reasons. Like one is reliability, because if there's an outage in a data center, they want to make sure that their customers don't have any impact. The other is cost. You know, this idea of like being able to like quickly say, well, we're going to use some servers over here because they're cheaper. Just like the idea of when you're going to get like fuel or petrol, you know, from the gas station, you pick where to go based on the price. So people are definitely doing that in the finance um, industry right now because money matters when you're like at large scale infrastructure. It really does matter a lot. Um, So, yeah, there's like it's very interesting. I think that's a cool space to look into. Definitely check out the Linux Foundation, too, for all the listeners that haven't looked into that yet. It's a great organization to belong to. Yeah, Linux Foundation, CNCF, it's all really, really good stuff. And uh, Rio, I'll throw it back over to you just for some comments on uh, the importance of all this stuff for financial services. Again, fintech has been uh, really at the forefront of a lot of these innovations because you kind of had to be because money is involved, right? So security is very important. Data governance is very important. Uh, and that kind of plays into how you designed your system, right, with your highly opinionated models and so forth. Tell us real quick about that. Yeah, so in the earlier days of our company, um, you know, back in 2017 or so, I found myself uh, in a situation needing to explain to my friends and families, as well as the colleagues and prospective customers, what Beacon is. Um, and in the beginning, I used to say that our product is an enterprise innovation platform, but no one really understood what that meant. So I switched <laughs> tactics um, and started using analogies because it simplifies stuff and makes things a bit more concrete for people. Um, and so in this analogy, cloud vendors like AWS or Azure or GCP are the modern day equivalent of PC manufacturers. And then our product we call Beacon Core um, is analog to something like Microsoft Windows, right? Um, just like Windows abstracts away the underlying PC hardware and provides a common runtime for apps. Um, Beacon Core abstracts away the underlying cloud providers to create a seamless runtime, dev in the prod environment, and so on and so forth. Uh, and also provides for an application layer that makes it useful for end users. Um, so it's kind of like a cloud operating system, right? Um, that's that's very interesting because that's kind of how I viewed Kubernetes. And uh, it was actually just a few weeks ago that uh, someone pointed out to me that, uh, I'll throw this over to David, that um, Red Hat or, or uh, OpenShift is really just Kubernetes with an IBM bow tie on it. Is that, uh, was that about right? I've never heard that. Can't comment on that. But, you know, <laughs> Kubernetes uh, ultimately is going to be the operating system for a lot of what is going to be SuperCloud MetaCloud. If you think about what it does and the capabilities is able to do it's open it's open environment people can extend upon it it's very uh flexible and durable uh so uh you know this is something that's really going to take that game to the next level yeah and, and uh, just a real quick explain for our audience 
you know, what's cool about Kubernetes is that it abstracted away the need to write for this particular operating system or that particular operating system, right? And I remember back in the days, maybe we could talk about this in the podcast bonus segment. I remember, let's say in the early aughts, for example, you would go buy an application and say, okay, well, which operating system do you have? And it would be Mac OS. Then there would be like 13 different versions of Microsoft operating systems. And I think that was kind of the Achilles heel of, of the Microsoft world is that you had all these to get Microsoft Server, NT, all these different operating systems, which were great because they solved particular problems, but that created complexity, which wound up being a bit of an Achilles heel. Is that about right, David? That is very right. Uh, and the more complex uh, that you have and the more options that you have and the more uh, options that are going to need native software to run on it that are built in a certain way, the more limiting you're going to have in the market. And that's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. Excellent point. Well, podcast bonus segment is up next, folks. If you want to be in the show, send me an email, info at dmradio.biz that comes right to me. We're booking out the rest of the year now. Our 15th, or I said, we've got our 16th year. We were born 15 years ago in February in 2008. It's been a lot of fun. Don't touch that dot, folks. Podcast bonus segment up next. You are listening to DM Radio. KCAA. I'm Andy and KCAA Solomon. Internet Television, the station that leaves no listener and no viewer behind. NBC News Radio, I'm Julie Ryan. Cleanup and recovery efforts are underway after deadly storms pounded parts of the South. At least 11 storm-related deaths were reported in Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi. A January 6th rioter accused of attacking a D.C. Metro police officer is pleading guilty to assault charges. Jim Forbes has more. Thomas Civic of Buffalo, New York, is one of several people who attacked former police officer Michael Fanone during the 2021 Capitol riot. Civic is also accused of stealing Fanone's badge and radio and taking videos of himself on Capitol grounds. Former President Trump is asking for a six-month delay in his civil fraud case brought by the New York Attorney General. If granted, that would push his trial to early 2024 when the presidential primary race heats up. Newly filed court documents show the judge indicated the trial would start as planned in October. Julie Ryan, NBC News Radio. This is Judge Herb Dodell, and our show is called For the People. It's available every Monday at 4 o'clock, 4 to 5, and we'll be talking about all kinds of things pertaining to the law and how it really works from the inside as opposed to the outside. So tune in and learn all you need to know about the legal system and how it works. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. 